Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today it's Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. Well, my brother Darren is out today, so it's just me, and I'm excited to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. We've been getting a lot of questions in, and again, love to take your phone call if you want to call in at any point today. Before I get to that, though, we had mentioned, so if you've been listening to our show on a regular basis, our last couple of weeks prior to this week, our corn was rolled up, hot, dry, we've had very little rain in two years. So, of course, the way it always works, you know how it is. You're completely short, and then what do we do? We don't just get a tiny little rain. No, no, that's not good enough. We get the biggest rain in the shortest amount of time in history in our area, and that happened on Tuesday. So we had five inches of rain in an hour. Most of it ran off, but there was a fair amount that did get into the soil. And then we got, at um, at least some of our fields last night, seven-tenths. And actually on Monday, uh, very early Monday morning, some of our ground got some rain and some didn't. So anyway, all of our fields have gotten rain now here in the last few days. So things are totally different on our farm in terms of the thinking from just Sunday till today. So, for example, we've been talking about fungicide quite a bit here on the show over the last couple of months and worrying about tar spot and everything else. Well, if you've got an extreme drought and your corn is all rolled up every single day at like 9 o'clock in the morning, it doesn't do you any good to spray fungicide. It's not going to get into the plant. Plus the fact that you're probably not going to have a whole lot of disease if there's no moisture in the air or in the soil. Well, now it's whole different. Now every day the humidity is like 80% here and we have plenty of moisture in the soil. And so now we are starting to be a little concerned because we haven't reached tassel yet. We're probably a week or two away from tassel in a lot of these fields, maybe three weeks in some. So now I'm thinking, you know what, we're probably going to have to get out there maybe next week and get some fungicide on. So we'll talk about fungicide a little bit later in the show. Uh, I was also going to say we've been concerned about leaning corn after that big rainstorm because not only did we have the rain, we had 45 mile an hour winds along with it. And so a lot of people were nervous that, oh, the corn isn't going to stand up fine. Well, you know what? Even by the next day, the corn was standing pretty good. And here we are three days later. The corn is standing pretty well. There's going to be a little crook in some of the corn, but it's not too bad. We were really fortunate to have the corn still growing. When it hasn't reached tassel yet, it's still got vegetative growth to put on, which gives you a better chance for it to stand up straight. So anyway, a lot of times we worry way too much. Last week I was worried about drought. Uh, And then on Tuesday, I was worried that the corn was all leaning over. And what good did all that worry do me? Not one bit. (laughs) So anyway, sometimes we just need to step back, take a breath, figure out that, uh, you know what, uh, we're hopefully at least at some point going to be blessed with some decent weather. So anyway, hopefully the rest of the summer goes quite well for us. I'm excited because we have a decent price. We had really good yield potential. I think I, I still think we have a, a, a fair amount of yield potential. Should be good, maybe not great, but good this year with a really good price. Should still turn out pretty well. Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. 
Our first question or comment really is from TF. He says, we made the decision to cut our corn planting population by almost 4,000 seeds an acre in our fields this year with a late start, trying to give each plant as much access to the sun, fertilizer, and water, even though our seed rep says there's no data to prove this works. Well, TF, I'd just say this. When you plant late, your yield potential's down, so you want to cut your planting population in corn. In soybeans, it's kind of the opposite. We usually talk about increasing the planting population when it's late because the soybeans are going to be so short, they're not going to canopy, and you're not going to capture as much sunlight. So with soybeans, it's the opposite. But corn, you made the absolute right decision. I would have done the same thing. Uh, Next one here, question from India. CR says, how many hours of sunlight do you get there? Corn in, in well for our season it's only like 11 to 12 hours of daylight um, what do you guys have well we have a lot and I, I, there are a lot of apps out there or I mean you can just look do a, a search online and and find out too but I I will just tell you this when we are in the northern hemisphere hemisphere and we're quite a ways north here in our summertime we do have a lot of sunlight so for example right now our sunrise is at 5:54 a.m. And our sunset is at 9, 10 p.m. So that's a lot of hours of sunlight every single day. All right, next comment we got from Nelson. He just said, uh, great information. You guys are talking about maturity in corn and soybeans. Thanks for all you do. Well, thanks, Nelson. We appreciate that. All right, this next one is from AJ. He says, I farm with my dad in northern Indiana, and we have had... Uh, three and a half to four inches of rain in the past few days. But with our light soil, we're hardly ever more than seven days away from a drought. Now, we have some wheat that we plan to harvest as soon as we get a couple good drying days and are planning to follow that up with a 15-way blend of cover crops, including an array of warm and cool season grasses, along with warm and cool season legumes and some brassicas. Now, we seed and incorporate the cover crop with a cedar box on our Uh, vertical till machine as soon as possible following wheat harvest. We're in a minimum till or no till system on this farm and beginning a corn, soybean, wheat rotation. My question is, should we broadcast our potash just prior to seeding the cover crop this summer so the vertical till would lightly incorporate the potash, or should we broadcast next spring prior to planting no-till corn, or should we do some of each? Any and all advice is welcome and appreciated. And by the way, we're shooting for 150 bushel corn, and we have a long-term lease on this ground, like 10 years. I sent you some of my soil tests, he says, on two-and-a-half-acre grids. I, I will just say this, AJ. If it's me, I'm probably going to put it out pretty early. And the reason why is because on our farm, we have heavy soil, and it will stick around a long time. On your farm, I would not do that because you're looking at a three to five cation exchange capacity. You mentioned how light that ground is. You could leach away some of that potash. So if you want to do a little bit right now, that's fine. Save the rest until next spring. Well, it is Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you. You can call in anytime during our show today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Corn rootworms are called the billion dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. 
That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. It's a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. All right, so since it's a Farmer Friday, we're going to go right to the phone lines. Got Cedric calling in from down in Louisiana. Cedric, how are you today? Hey, Brian. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Excellent. So what's happening right now on your farm? Hey, we're getting ready for our uh, second cutting of hay. Hopefully if we get a uh, long enough window. We've been having some uh, afternoon showers popping up here lately. But it's been real dry, uh, this part of Louisiana. Uh, it's like one of the uh, driest summers we've had in a couple really? of years. So uh, you know how it is. We're trying to make sure we can get it cut at a, pr a proper time. Oh, I definitely know how it is. And I also know when you cut hay, then it usually means it's going to rain. So, I mean, <laughs> you should get some rain out of this, I would assume. So what kind of hay are we talking here? Alfalfa, grass? Yeah, just grass. Uh, Bahia and uh, Bermuda mix. Okay. Uh, so, you know, southern uh, yep. southern Louisiana, uh, you know, native grass. And it grows like wildfire this time of the year, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh, what else is happening down there? I mean, you, you mentioned it being dry. How's that affecting everything else? Well, with the, uh, with the price of uh, fertilizer right now, Brian, um, you know, we've taken a chance, you know, putting out nitrogen and a little potash because we try to feed the, uh, the grass. We don't try to throw it all out there at once. Sure. You know, if it's calling for 100 or 150 pounds per acre, try to go like, you know, 50 or maybe 75 pounds an acre. Uh, but, you know, I learned from you guys, you know, that nitrogen just evaporates. It's just out there in that hot sun in Louisiana for two or three days. Yep, yep, yep. Got to be a little <laughs> careful with that. Is it, Now, I don't remember, do you have light soil or heavy soil? No, it's pretty light. Uh, yeah. Since we soil samples in the past, yeah, it's pretty, like, sandy soil, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned so the, I, Oh, go ahead. 
No, no. So you guys ready for your uh, ag day that's coming up what, in two weeks, right? Uh, yeah, just uh, just over three weeks. Uh, Thursday, July 28th. So, yeah, well, I, w- I was a little concerned the other day. So I, I, I worry about some things maybe a little bit different than a normal farmer. I, I mean, yes, I don't want to have hail or anything, but by the same token, I have hail insurance. But we definitely don't want hail at our field day site because then we wouldn't have nearly as much to look at. And we have some things, some plants that are pretty sensitive. We have some flowers there and we have a whole bunch of different crops and everything else. So it's a lot of work for our people to put that in. But uh, but everything is looking great so far. So, no, I'm super excited about it. It's just it's a fun opportunity when people are willing to come to your farm. And, you know, selfishly, Cedric, I will just tell you, I'm a, a little bit of a neat freak and when our all of our people know that there are a whole bunch of farmers coming to our farm everybody cleans up much better so our shop looks the best <laughs> it does all year for our field day so i'm really happy about that part every year too so uh do you have any test plots on alfalfa or uh, uh grass haze or just uh, alfalfa plots um we are we don't at our field day site, I don't think we have much for alfalfa, and we do not have any uh, research plots for specifically for grass or anything. But on our farm, we have about 500 acres of alfalfa, and we are doing some research out in that. We're actually working with a local dairy. Uh, so the small dairy got bought out by a large dairy, and now they've done a lot of expansion in the last three years, and so that's why we're doing this alfalfa. But we're, we're trying to work with them. We're going to be working with them on a multi-year project to try to figure out, okay, what exactly should we be doing in the field to get the most nutrition to help your livestock, to help them help milk production overall. So we're after quality, we're after just total milk production. And if there's right. something we can do to benefit the dairy, then obviously the dairy can afford to pay us more for whatever it is we produce. That's right. It's all about the uh, return of investment. Yep, yep, that's for sure. All right, Cedric, anything else you wanted to leave us with today? No, that's all. Oh, by the way, Duracord is a... Uh Low odor, and it works better than Grazon Next, guaranteed. (laughs) Well, the Corteva people will appreciate that. But, I mean, they sell both products. But, yes, I've heard a lot of good things about Duracar. All right. Hey, Cedric, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Good luck to you down there. Take care. You too. Yes, sir. All right. Got Scott calling in from down in Arkansas. Hey, Scott, how are things on your farm today? Uh, Hot and dry, Brian. Well, I, I, I felt the same in, uh, until about Monday, or actually Tuesday, but uh, then we finally got some rain. So has it been quite a while since you guys have had rain? Uh, one one of my farms, I got three in a row, and one of them has been May 24th since the last measurable rainfall. Ooh, and with your heat down there, that's not too good. So I assume the crop's looking pretty tough on that one, huh? Yeah, we're, we're in trouble, right? Um, you know, it's currently it's 99, feels yep. like 106. The heat index is 118. Mm. We've, uh, we're all 100% irrigated. These light, sandy, silt loam soils. Yep. And uh, we don't have just right here where I'm at, we don't have great irrigation, but we, we have adequate irrigation. But we don't have adequate irrigation when it's this hot. Right. And uh, we probably already, uh, you know, we started the 1st of June, and we probably real close to already pumping what we normally pump in a season. Oh, and, wow. Uh, full season uh, we've never shut anything off i mean it's just it just went from wet to dry you know i mean that's no no exaggeration the national drought monitor map just came out yesterday they they 
basically have the data every Tuesday, and then they publish it every Thursday. And so it's University of Nebraska at Lincoln that does that. And so I look at that every Thursday. And when I pulled up the map yesterday, I go, whoa, that's a big change here in just a couple of weeks where there is drought through much of the country now when a couple of weeks ago it looked a lot better. So I'm assuming it was probably the same for you on a lot of your stuff. A couple of weeks ago, it looked at least much better than today. And now it's just gotten that much drier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, historically, uh, our our drought doesn't start, or our dryness or heat doesn't start to approximately this time of year. Sure, but this year it started like the last couple of days of May. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, so we, we've actually got you know usually it almost historically I know it sounds like a cliche, but usually some one a couple of days on one side of the Fourth of July you get a nice rain. Mm-hmm. There was no rain this time, and uh, I mean we're you know we're going on. <laughs> a gazillion days and, and, and abnormal you know that when our ground when it does this and there's three times in my life that i remember mm-hmm. but they've never done it this early like in june uh, 1980 2010 and then this one but when when it bites all the moisture out of the ground then our temperature just keeps getting higher and higher and higher you know rarely we went several years there we didn't get to 100 yeah uh, and now and now we've been hundred every other day for two weeks you know and you don't even want to look at the long-term forecast what it says it might get to yeah you know we have a weather station south dakota state university actually has a weather station right at our field day site on our farm and so we, we can look at soil temps they record it every five minutes and it's four inches deep in the ground and we've had 95 degree soil temps prior to this rain that we got this week. I mean, the soil temp being 95 for us, I mean, that is incredibly unusual. So, I mean, we were feeling exactly how you're feeling prior to, to this rain that we got earlier this week. So hopefully, you'll. well, I, I was going to say, hopefully you get the rain we did, but you don't want the rain we did. You want a better better rain than we did without all the wind and uh, coming in all in one hour. So hopefully you get a nice about three-day rain and that'll help things out so anything else happening uh scott anything else you're thinking about here this summer no you know the the guy before me mentioned input prices it's just uh it's been ridiculous um you know it's hard to believe urea was a thousand dollars a ton it's hard to believe potash was a thousand dollars it's hard to believe phosphate you know with yep every product that we used was a thousand dollars a ton i mean that's insane yes it is I mean, the good news yeah. is urea has come down quite a bit, and so there are already people starting to lock in for next year. And I don't know if that's the right move or not. I, I mean, this the Russia-Ukraine thing, that's had a major impact on worldwide fertilizer prices, plus just the fact oil and, I mean, everything else that's going on. So, yeah, it's some crazy times. we got to hope that uh, the crop prices stay good and, and we turn out okay. Hey, Scott, we got to get running, but uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. We'll pray for some rain for you. Thank you, Brian. You bet. It's a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, the phone lines are open. 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. Stay tuned. We're going to go right back to the phone lines after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, 
a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. My name is Brian Hefty, and we are live in the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Zach did. He is calling from Minnesota. Hey, Zach, how are you? Not too bad. How's Brian doing? Not too bad. Uh, how did uh, how did your crop turn out here over the course of the last week? I assume you may have gotten some storms. Yeah, we've gotten some more wind, and then uh, a little bit more, a few shots of rain here the last few days. So yeah, it's it, it actually fared the wind better than I figured. Good. So so yeah, that's good. But, so so well, overall, it's, it's looking like we got potential. That was my next question: Is potential look uh, as good as it's ever looked, or what do you think? There's, I mean, there's potential out there for the corn. We had some beans get blown out on a few acres with the wind 
it just wasn't established awesome. enough to uh hold itself up you know so but it should come back it didn't blow the uh all the leaves off anyways so sure yep but yeah, that's i mean they could quit having a storm every month that's trying to blow it over <laughs> you know I, I, honestly we i mean over the years we've taken crop insurance most of the time we just haven't the last few years and this but this year i decided i was going to get hail insurance because i'd already seen enough of the storms this spring before our crop really got up and big and everything and i thought the way everything's going this year we're, we're bound to have a storm that's bad enough so we get hail uh you know in a big time way for the first time in a long time but so far we've been lucky yep. in that regard Guard. Uh, so I know you do some tiling, Zach. What what's that been looking like lately? Are are people doing more of that in your area, or uh, what what's the talk like? Because commodity prices are good, farm income has at least been pretty decent. Yeah, it's it's been hit or miss. You know, when we first started looking at the crop, we figured you know it was late enough where uh, nobody would mind that we'd go in and kind of run over a little bit of stuff because <laughs> you never know what it was yep. going to amount to anyway. Yep. But now it's starting to turn the other way, and it's like everybody's kind of, I don't know if I quite want you to go do all of that yet, <laughs> maybe right. a little bit here and there. But <laughs> So yep. we're, we're, getting, we're getting the worst of the spots here now. So. Oh, good. Yeah, and I assume you're lining up a whole bunch of work for this fall once the crop actually does come off the field. Yeah, it's, it's a never-ending list. Yeah, yep. So, uh, corn and soybeans on your farm. What do, what do you have planned for any applications yet this summer? Are you doing anything else yet in your corn and beans? Uh, right now, I mean, we just finished up our uh, post sprays on both, um, and that we're not too big on doing the uh, late season applications on anything as far as nitrogen. Anyway, we put, basically put it out there in the spring and get what sure. you get. So. Well, I assume you have fairly heavy soil, right? Yep. Yeah, we, well, we got pretty much everything on the spectrum. We got light sandy gravel all the way up to that nice black gumbo. So oh. it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a wide, wide spectrum over here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know if I have quite that spectrum, but fairly close. We have some pretty light ground and some super heavy ground too. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you like on that, that late season nitrogen. Normally we don't do much. This year we did a little bit more than normal just because I didn't want to pay the price last fall. <laughs> I just thought it was really high, and I was hoping it would come down, and it really never came down. So uh, that's that's yeah. kind of the way it goes. Hopefully for next year, nitrogen prices will be a little cheaper. So uh, so uh, are I hope, you? I hope it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be great. So are you planning to do any fungicide work here later this summer? No, uh, we're. I think we're pretty much wrapped up. I think we're just going to kind of run over as little as possible with the tile plow and call it a year and try to minimize the passes this year yeah so. yep yep well hopefully you don't get any bugs or any late season stuff that pops up on your farm yeah there's there's you know there's always possibilities on that <laughs> i think the, yeah a couple of years ago we had some spider mite issues and stuff like that so there yep. you know you might have to deal with some of that issue yeah yep. and all that yep so. yep all right well hey zach thanks a lot for calling in today appreciate it and best of luck to you the rest of this summer no problem you too thank you you bet thanks all right, we're going to go back down to Louisiana. I got Dustin calling in from down there. Hey, Dustin, how are things down in Louisiana in your area? Man, it is hot. We're we're extremely hot, uh, pretty dry. Yep, that's what everybody down south has been saying. Uh, I assume you have irrigation? We do. We, uh, we irrigate most everything, and um, 
you know, most of the irrigated uh, crops look pretty good, uh, but anything that's not getting water is in a bad way. So what type of irrigation do you run? Is it subsurface? Is it pivots? Everything we have is above ground, but it's uh, flood, flood irrigation yeah. where we're sending it down the middles, down yep. the roads. Yep. Do you have enough water that you're able to keep up with all this hot, dry weather in the irrigated fields? Barely. Yeah. Barely, but we do. We can keep up. We have, we're, we're in a really good area that has a lot of water, uh, but it's, it's, it's putting strain on everything to fight this kind of weather. Sure. So which crops are, are really suffering? I mean, what do you just raise corn and soybeans or what all do you raise? Yeah, just corn and soybeans. I mean, but even the guys that are farming cotton, you know, they're, they're irrigating the cotton too. Um, you know, everything's kind of suffering. You know, the corn's really on the, the downhill slide. Um, you know, my corn's full dent. Um, it's kind of that fight's over. It's not over all the way, but it's close. Yeah. Back, you know, the usage is going down. The soybeans are, um, they're kind of, you know, their usage is up. So yep. uh, we'll fight that for a little while yet. Yeah, you mentioned cotton, and normally cotton likes it hot and dry, so it must be really hot and dry if uh, if even the cotton's suffering. It is. I mean, it's, uh, you know, when you start talking real temperatures of 100 humidity levels that we deal with, you know, the real the, the heat index is 115 or better. Nothing like that in the middle of the day. Yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, up up here where we farm, we had been really hot and dry. And, I mean, it's still warm, but it's not exceptionally hot anymore. And we did get some rain here this week. But when you brought up that cotton thing, it just kind of reminded me a few years ago, We and we have several times now had cotton on our farm just for demonstration purposes for our big field day in late July. And anyway, we had a farmer from down south that raises cotton and who was in our plots one day and he goes, guys, I don't think your cotton's going to make it here. And we know we don't have enough heat to raise cotton way up here. And that just kind of goes back to, hey, cotton does need a lot of heat. But boy, we uh, we sure hope things will cool off for you a little bit down there and maybe get some natural rain fall that's right that's right so what what else is there anything else you need to do for your corn and soybeans you mentioned how far along your corn was so you're you're probably done on that but but beans any any other treatments or anything you have to do yet this summer no we're uh you know we're watching for uh stink bugs and bull worms and things of that nature we've had to treat for uh red banded stink bugs once um, I was talking to a consultant today who said that he was starting to see a lot of uh, bullworm moths, uh, so we may be spraying for them next week. Um, but it's just a, you know, at this point in time, you pray for rain and yeah. supplement with irrigation, and that's pretty much the game. You know, it's a, that's the one goal is to keep the keep the crops going, and, uh, you know, work in the shop when, when you're when you're not chasing water. So what what have you sprayed on your stink bugs, and what would you plan to spray on bollworms? Same insecticide? No. So we use like a indigo on the okay. uh, when we put our fungicide out. Yep. Uh, to kind of clean up what was there, um, we'll use something like uh, Besiege or Prevathon, something yep. in that in that realm for the for the bollworms. Gotcha. Um, you know, so it'll be a, a pretty expensive shot start talking worms yeah so what you're saying is the cheap pyrethroids aren't cutting it anymore and you got to go to something better yep 
no, no, you're not going to get by with a generic karate or bathroid or something like that. It, it takes a, it takes one of these good ones that's designed for worms to, to yeah. handle them. Yep, yep. Well, hopefully you don't have too many of those bug issues and the rest of the season turns out good for you. I just want to thank you for calling in today, Dustin, and uh, just like for the other guys, we'll pray for a little rain for you. Hopefully, hopefully it'll turn out good. All right, thank you. Y'all have a good one, too. Yep, you too. Thanks. All right, it's Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. We're going to take more of your phone calls and get back to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. That's all coming up next here on Ag PhD Radio. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes the power of the plant's microbiome and multiple modes of action to deliver extended, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. With all the advantages of no residue, zero PHI, minimal REI, and take-mix flexibility, get the fiercest, most effective protection available with Howler Fungicide, a product of AgBiome. Learn more at agbiome.com howler.
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're going to go right back to the phone lines, get Gerald calling in with a question from down in Iowa. Gerald, how are things looking on your farm right now? Good, good. Got we had about uh, five inches of rain this week. <laughs> uh, hopefully not in an hour like we got five inches of rain. Nope. <laughs> good. No, we did not. It was <laughs> over two, two days. Oh, good. It was good. Yep, good deal. Mike. My question is, uh, what's your thought that we're treating our well with hydrogen peroxide? Okay. What does that uh, have to do with uh, spraying chemicals? Okay. So why? Uh, how long have you been doing this hydrogen peroxide, and why are you doing oh, it? We've been doing it for uh, probably two and a half years. Uh, and so... And we treat the well, It's we're treating it about uh, between 15 and 20 uh, parts per million. And uh, we soften the water before we use uh, for spraying. Yep. And have you, have you been able to see any noticeable difference with your spray? No, I have not. Okay, so... I, 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 I'll be honest, I haven't had a lot of guys over the years tell me they're treating with hydrogen peroxide. So I don't, uh, just off the top of my head, I don't know the entire science with that or anything. But I do know this. When we talk about well water all the time, and we've sprayed with well water for years. We're now using rural water that we have to treat differently, by the way. But with our well water, it was tremendously hard. So what we worry about in there is all the calcium, magnesium, and iron especially. And so we want to tie those things up with a little bit of hydrogen peroxide. I don't know how much or how far you're, you're getting with that. So do you by chance have water quality studies after the hydrogen peroxide has been put in there? No, I do not. Okay. I'd be... uh, we have in our, in our water, yep. we have iron bacteria Okay. and there's some iron, I'm assuming. I don't know what, how much. Uh, but so far we haven't seen any problems with it, but the biologicals, would that kill those if you used any of those? Uh, okay. So I don't think that just a little bit of hydrogen peroxide will probably kill all the biologicals. But as I say that, I do know this with hydrogen peroxide, that's a lot of times the reason why people are using it in wells is because of the bacteria. And so it helps with the odor and getting rid of some of that bacteria that causes some of the odor, that iron bacteria that you're talking about. So when many of these biologicals that people are spraying now, they a lot of them are bacteria. So those, at least, are probably going to get negatively impacted. So instead, what a lot of guys are doing is they'll, they'll use different treatments that are, let's call it, a little more friendly to the biologicals in there. And at least temporarily, if it was me and I was going to use a biological, I wouldn't use the hydrogen peroxide. And I just use some other basic treatment. But where I'm going with all this is I don't know that that hydrogen peroxide is going to be tying up your calcium and your magnesium. And that's usually the cause of things like Roundup not working as well because it gets tied up in those hard water 
water ions. So I think you're solving the, the, the real problem that you, you have had with this iron bacteria and maybe the water doesn't smell right and everything, but I don't know for spray if you've quite done enough yet. So that's where I, I was just going to say I'd like to see a water quality study before and after this hydrogen peroxide and then I'd be able to, to tell you a little bit better. Well, we do use softened water for spraying. <laughs> yep. So all this water goes through a water softener again. Okay. Okay. Yep. Well, that's definitely going to make an enormous difference. And now the other thing is, what's the pH when it comes out on the other end? Because if, we, if let's say, the pH is 8, then it's going to give you different results as if the pH is 6. So that would be my other question. But, but again, I'm, I'm still kind of guessing here, and I assume you're, you're, you're not in too bad a shape other than the biologicals because of the hydrogen peroxide. So if you could, at some point, if you want to test that water and send it to us, send us the results, uh, we'd be more than happy to take a look at it and give you our feedback. I can do that. Okay. Sounds great. <clears throat> we, we're not, our, our uh, chemical, our weed control is, uh, you might say, good, very good. Good. Well, that's good. Oh. So that tells me that chances are you're getting the water softened enough and that pH isn't out of whack. So chances are everything is good, but still, I, I, I mean, if you do happen to test that water, I'd, I'd sure be happy to take a look at that for you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thank for, you so much. You bet. Thanks for calling in, Gerald. Appreciate Bye. it. All right. Next on the phone, we got Curtis calling in. Hey, Curtis, how are you? I'm good. How about yourself, Brian? Excellent. What? All right. I, I was listening to your previous caller talk about uh, using using uh, hydrogen peroxide in this well water. Yeah. Um, out here in Yuma, Yuma, Arizona, for the leafy greens, we have to treat for food safety reasons. So Dr. John Palumbo at the University of Arizona has done extensive work on what impacts uh, PAA and hydrogen peroxide, any of these uh, biostats uh, that we're treating the water with due to our fungicides and insecticides. And the, uh, the short answer is no effect whatsoever. It doesn't hurt them, it doesn't help them. Yep, that's kind of what I what I assumed with the hydrogen peroxide. I know it would help on that bacteria, and I assume that's the reason why, for food safety, it has to be treated. Yep. Just wanted to, wanted to affirm that, and anybody that wants to look into that further, uh, look for Dr. John Palumbo. So, uh, so let me ask you this. Um, what do people then do who want to put on beneficial bacteria? So how how, do, how does that work? Is there any special treatment they do, or or do they just not do that because they have to have the water no, treated no, with hydrogen peroxide? Uh, some of our uh, organic fungicides are uh, biologicals. Okay. And 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 so we're we're using uh, the same water. You know, in an ideal world, you would not have any of those biostats in that water. Right. But uh, by the time we get it to the spray tank. Uh, there, it's not. Uh, it's not a factor. Oh, so okay. Good. It's it's one of, it's one of those those issues that uh, that when we're putting pseudomonas uh, uh, or psilocybin or something like that in the uh, in the tank, where the, what we have treated the water for um, doesn't have any effect by that point. 
You know, Curtis, one of the reasons why I like doing the radio show is it makes me a lot smarter over time because we get guys like you that call in and and teach me something just about every day. So I'm, I'm obviously not from Arizona, not familiar with uh, the hydrogen peroxide treatment. We've never had to do that for our water or anything. So thanks for the information. And again, you said John Palumbo from University of Arizona? Yes. Excellent. Yes, exactly. All right. Exactly. Any, anything and it, else? And it's a pleasure, it's pleasure to learn from from you and your your uh, callers as well. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Curtis. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You Thanks bet. Bye-bye. Yep. Yeah, when we start talking about water treatment, and I had mentioned earlier in the show that if I had time, I'd, I'd tell you just a little bit more about some of the fungicide work we were thinking about doing on our farm. We talk about, hey, we've got to have a low water pH. We want it down below 7. Uh, we want to use lots of water, too. We want to put an adjuvant with it. And there are just so many things that are involving water with our sprays. And we have to be careful because if we do have beneficial biologicals we want to put in, we really don't want to kill those because then we just wasted our money. But by the same token, like Curtis was saying there, well, in some cases, because of food safety, well, the water has to be treated with hydrogen peroxide. If you've got, like uh, like our caller a little earlier was saying, the iron bacteria or something like that, you got bacteria in that water, um, that's, that's not real good, especially when you're on those direct food crops like they have very commonly down in southern Arizona. All right, we got just a little bit of time left. We've got a couple of phone lines open, 844-44-AG-PHD if you want to call in. And uh, hopefully we'll get to back to the Ag PhD mailbag a little bit as well. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day.
Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit Spraytech.com for more information. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman, when there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Just about to wrap up our show here, but we got a little bit of time left. If you want to call in, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Jim did from South Dakota. Hey, Jim, how are you? All right, Brian. You're flying solo today, huh? You bet. Here you got a question for me in winter wheat. Yes, sir. Um, my brother-in-law, he's a Brian, and uh, he was, and he's grown winter wheat for a long time. He didn't know if you can, like this year's winter wheat we harvest. Yep. It. Can we use that for seed? Or he thought it might have to go through a cold cycle. I don't. I don't know the answer to that or where to look. I guess. Do you know anything about that? Uh, harvest here in a week or so. Okay. So, you're, what you're asking is, you're going to harvest winter wheat, and then you want to reseed that winter wheat seed. You want to put that seed in the ground this fall. Is what I'm trying to say. Yes, is that sir. the question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You you can yes. do that. Well. Um, as far as this cold thing, I think what you're maybe talking about is um, some people will ask the question, can I plant winter wheat in the spring? And that's where we start to have some troubles sometimes because, uh, well, anyway. So, but yeah, there's there's that's no the reason why you... Yes, yep. Yeah. There's no reason why you wouldn't be able to take that winter wheat that you raised this year and then plant it this fall and I... I would assume it'd be fine. Just make sure you're germination, germ testing it and that kind of thing. And you have to be careful about which varieties we're talking about. I assume it's nothing patented or anything else. So, but, but anyway, right. yep. And then get it probably treated at the local, cleaned yep. and treated and yep. stuff like that. Yep. And then yep. one other question. Um, I know you answer a lot of people's soil things. I've never sent you soil things. I've got kind of a conundrum here. I tested on the 20, uh, Let's see, the 4th of May, I took soil tests okay. on three different fields. Okay. And then I took them on the 27th of June, so not quite two months. Okay. The only thing I did in between was add 70 pounds of N. I had that. They spread it for me right before it rained, so it should have yep. went down. It rained like the day they got it done. Okay. And I'm going from, and I'll show you these samples, and uh, I just think the, the only thing I can figure out is they didn't have it calibrated. Maybe they're not doing enough samples this time of year because it went from oh one field's uh 21 pounds an acre and we had 70 goes to 314 now the other is um i am not kidding you 123 and it went to 363 adding 70 pounds and uh, maybe the fertilizer company's giving me more fertilizer i doubt that but 
What, 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 what do you mean, Jim? I, I thought all fertilizer companies just gave you all kinds of fertilizer for free, just you know, just for the heck of it. Yeah, I only want seventy. Well, we'll give you one seventy here. Just go ahead. No, and and maybe I should shut my mouth and buy the young man a beer that that I see that that the fertilizer. Maybe he's. I better okay. shut up, maybe. But okay, I, uh, so so. So here's my question for you, Jim. Are we? T- I, I assume this was composite sampled, or are are these actual grid points? It's a. I take about twenty samples throughout each field, with yep. that that probe you you made me buy at your meeting here this yep. winter. Yep. Oh, okay. Goodbye. That's thirty. Okay, and, so. and and so what what we're talking about is you take those twenty samples across the field. Throw them together and send it in as one sample. Is that? Am I getting that correct? Yes. Okay. Same, same so the, guy, same woman driving the pickup around the field. Same, <laughs> same depth. Yep. Yep. Same, and nothing changed. Okay. Except the seventy pounds of in added. So it's out. But I can send these to you, right? Yeah, sure. But but here's where I'm going yeah. with this. Those twenty samples, they weren't in the exact same spot as the previous twenty samples, right? Correct. Yeah. They're arbitrary throughout the yes. field. I said, I'm all over. Yep. And this is exactly why we talk about either zone or grid sampling. And it doesn't have to be tremendously small or anything. You don't have to do one acre grids like we do. But if you don't replicate exactly where you were before, then we don't really know. And so here's my fear for you, Jim, because you might say, well, I got 300 pounds and now mm. I'm good to go. I don't need to do anything anywhere. But on May 4th, if you only had 21 pounds in certain spots in that field, and granted, you added 70, you're going to get some out of the soil's organic matter, but still, I mean, you shouldn't have anywhere near 300. So what I fear is that certain spots in your field may still be low, and we're not able to detect them. That's what I'm concerned about. So so That's why I hired them to put it on, because they got GPS and... You know, it's not it's not Jim PS on there when you know pulling the spreader, and and they could get it on right before the rain, and it yeah you know, and that's yeah, and that, it should be uniformly applied with their system. Yeah, I I, I don't. I don't think there was anything wrong with whatever they did. Obviously, uh, you have a tremendous amount of nitrogen in the soil now. I just am concerned about where those soils were pulled the first time versus where they were pulled the second time. Yep. Uh, yep. I got the bags and I'm taking them again this week and I'm my third third sample this year. Well, I like to and a lot of it's old gravel pit ground, so I take two or three a year. And or should I should I take a tissue, you think too, Brian, and a, a soil? Well the problem six foot high now, my corn. Yeah, but the problem with tissue I mean, you can take tissue tests and that's great and we encourage people to do that. Mm-hmm. But if we're just simply talking nitrogen, it's not gonna help you a lot because all it's gonna do is tell you today how are you doing. And chances are okay. you're probably gonna be fine today. Now granted, if you had a problem today, then you could put more on. But the reason why we like soil tests so much is that's predictive of the future. Because if if I have twenty pounds in the soil, I know that I'm gonna have a problem pretty soon. If I know I have 300 pounds in the soil, even if I have a problem today, 
I'm not going to have a problem fairly soon as long as I get at least some rain. So, I, I, I mean, I, that's not going to answer your nitrogen question, but I would just say moving forward, I'd mark some GPS points. I'd rather have you take four samples in the field, split them, keep them separate, but go to the same spot every time because then we can have repeatability because otherwise you're just you're not getting that repeatability and we don't really know for sure what's going on. But I would say the good news with all this is at least you got a bunch of nitrogen in in much of your field Maybe. so so that part's good how do, how do we know that's right though it just seems crazy high uh yeah but yeah. It, I, I mean i I'm will t- tell I'm... you there are a lot of soil tests we look at where there's 300 pounds of nitrogen at this time of year because guys have put a lot on organic matter's been mineralizing and uh, and and things have turned mm-hmm. out good hey jim uh i, I gotta run i gotta take All one right. more caller here yet today but uh, thanks. thanks a lot for calling in good luck i'll email those over thanks Greg. Okay, great Bye. you bet thanks all right, got Matt calling in from over in Minnesota. Hey, Matt, how are things on your farm today? We're doing good. Um, things look good. We got rain um, here yesterday and uh, day before, up to about three inches. Oh, wow. Uh, spread over a couple of days and um, really just came. Um, any rain in July, you're going to be pretty happy about it. So, yeah. Yeah, we're we're sitting pretty good. Um, but uh, speaking of that nitrogen, yeah. um, topic, I'll maybe piggyback um, on that idea. Um, I've been toying around here the last couple of years with Y dropping. Um, yep, thirty-two percent. Yep, and I got it done here before these three inches of rain. Great. Um, <clears throat> so I I feel pretty confident. You know, yeah. they got worked in. But we were dealing with 60% chance, 40% chance. Um, volatility stabilizer is what your stance on. And how much end do you lose um, of 32% if you don't put it on um, or don't get the rain, you know, sure. in two days? Yep. Okay. So with urea, you start losing it in two days. With 32%, you're only going to start losing a tiny little bit in two days. So if I know that in the next two to four days, things look pretty good, that I'm going to get a not a court, not like five hundredths or anything, but I'm going to get a couple tenths at least or more. I'm probably not going to use a stabilizer, but if it's if it's going to be quite a few days, I'm going to use a stabilizer. But here's the other side of that: we injected all of our nitrogen this year because we went almost a month with no rain, and I was really worried about that. And I'm thank goodness we did it because we went over two weeks with no rain afterwards. And the stabilizer will help you, but the stabilizer is not a miracle product that will keep 100% of it there forever. And as much heat as we had, I was just worried that we were going to lose it. And so I just said, you know what, let guys, let's just inject. It's going to take us more time to get through the corn, but I felt more comfortable that way. Yeah. Yeah. See, I put on, uh, I variable rated it, but I yeah. put on anywhere from 70 to a hundred pounds. Yeah. Um, and it got rained in. I, I missed the chance of rain that I was <laughs> hoping. On. Yeah. Uh, which was a 75% chance. We got nothing. Um, but then two days later, so it sat there for about two and a half days. Oh, yeah. You're, um, yeah, you're just fine. Was, yeah. It was super dry before. <laughs> yeah. Is there a benefit to having dry dirt uh, dribble on top or sweat well, dribble on top? Uh, I'll tell you what. Hang on for us. I'll talk to you right after we get done here. 
Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.